Today we're continuing um, studying through the book of of Judges. We're in the sixth chapter today. One of the things, if you had to make a list, you had to make a list of the things that you know without a doubt. What would you put on that list? Now, I mean, it, I mean, no question about it. You, I mean, there's just this is solid rock. I know this. Well, let me tell you. To me, it would be a pretty short one. Uh, seems like everything I used to think I knew, uh, now I'm not sure I do anymore. There are a few things, but my, there have been so many changes. Uh, scientific discoveries have been has changed things. You know, medical. You know, what was it? Ten years ago, don't ever eat an egg. Right now, eat all eggs you want. I don't know. Uh, they're just things change all the time. We get sure of something, then it changes. Copernicus was a scientist, and he was one of the very first. <clears throat> excuse me. He was uh, able to look through a, a telescope into the night sky, and he began to notice things that didn't match up with what was the current dogma or teaching of the church and of science. Uh, you see, the church back in the early Middle Ages believed that the earth was the center of the universe, really, but especially the center of our solar system, and that the sun, the moon, Mars, Venus, and all those planets rotated around the earth. Well, when Copernicus looked out into the night sky, he realized, whoops, that's not what's happening uh, we are in motion as well, and we all are rotating around the sun. Well, that was a really huge discovery for Copernicus, and it got him in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble when he announced that because it went against the dogma of the church. Modern physics have taught us that there is nothing solid in, in our world. Nothing is solid. Now, it looks solid. This this mic stand looks solid. I can peck on it and it makes a sound. It looks so I can't see through it. It looks solid. But they tell me that on the atomic level, down the quantum level, you get down that there's more space in this mic in this uh, music stand than there is something solid. It's mostly space here. It doesn't look like it to me because my perception, my eyes, what I can see, sees something solid. But quantum physics tell us it's not solid. Now, so a lot of things are changing. Another thing we need to remember, history is usually written by the winners, right? The ones that win the wars, the ones that win the fights or the arguments or whatever, they usually get to write the history. And so a lot of things we think we know without a doubt, maybe we should rethink them. Um, One time in history, there was something that was written down that there is no doubt about. God wrote some stuff down on a rock. Does anybody remember that? God wrote some stuff on a rock. And he gave that to Moses. And Moses carried the the Ten Commandments down the mountain. So God wrote uh, something on a rock so that we would know for sure, without a doubt, that he had spoken to us. All the rest, everything else that God has said to man, he has written it in our hearts with the exception of the Ten Commandments. But the things that are written in our hearts are the things we go by today. This is what we follow. This is what we listen to. We listen to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, 
And we hear we follow him as he speaks inside us. The cross, of course, proved the love of God beyond doubt. There, we can't doubt the love of God if we walk up to the cross and see Jesus hanging there. We can't doubt that love. Why else would he allow himself to go through that much pain, shame, and, and mess of life? So the empty tomb also proved the power of God to resurrect, the power of God to give life. So there are some things that we can know without a doubt. We can be sure of those things. Now, let's go to our story today, holding that introduction in your mind. We're going to fit that all together today. But now let's go into our story. Let's look at Gideon. We're going to find Gideon today on a down cycle of the judge's cycle. Everybody with me? You remember what the judge's cycle is? All right, we're going to join today. The Jews are on the bottom. They have, uh, everyone has done what seemed right in their own eyes, and now they find themselves at the bottom of a cycle. We find Gideon, he's threshing wheat in a, where's he threshing wheat? In a wine press. And we talked about that yesterday, last, last Sunday. He's there in doing this, out in, in uh, hiding, trying to get him something to eat. Now, Gideon, we find at the bottom of a cycle, we find the Jews at the bottom of a cycle. The people who are oppressing them are Midianites, and they're the bad guys And in the story up to this point. But when we find Gideon, guys, he's not much to build Israel's hopes upon, is he? He's not. He's a, he's a wimp. He's hiding from his enemy, trying to get something to eat, threshing wheat at a wine press. You get the point. And he argues with the Lord. He said, Lord, are you sure you've chosen wisely? Am I, I'm not the one you should be asking to step up and lead the nation. And then he says, Lord, if, you've done, if, this is your, if you're doing this and this is really what you want, I want you to give me a sign uh, so that I'll have faith in the call, so that I'll know for sure that it, this is what you want me to do. Now, friends... Let me say to you today, knowing God's will is extremely important. I mean, without question. When we know God's will, when we know what it is we're supposed to be doing, when we know why we're here and our purpose, it changes everything about our lives. It takes the questions out. It removes the, uh, the hesitations. We know now why we prepare. We know now why we work. We know now why we make the phone calls and write the letters. We know now why we do what God put us here to do, because it's his will for us individually uh, to be doing these things. So today we're going to be dealing then with this issue of, of knowing God's will, of looking for signs to show us we're doing God's will. Are, are we doing God's will Does the signs point right, etc.? Let me say to you today, I'm going to try to make the point of the case today for you that signs are not for us today. Here's the case I'm going to make today. Signs were things that were used in the Old Testament when men's faith was young and needed to be grown up. I'm going to try to make a case today that this is not the time 
know that should we be looking for signs? I know I have all my life. I say, well, Lord, if I just knew where you want me to go, I'd go. Uh, Lord, you make you open that door, I'll go through it. You close that door, I'll stay out of it. But I'm thinking maybe that's not what we should be doing as Christians today, that we are looking for the sign. The, in fact, I'm going to read you a, a text here a little bit later that Jesus is going to say the only sign this generation will have is the sign of Jonah. What's the sign of Jonah? Three days in the fish's belly. Jesus was three days in the earth. See, in the, in the, in the belly of the earth for three days. So Jesus used the Jonah as a sign, as a, a metaphor, a, a connection point. And he said that, I'll read it in a moment, is the only sign this generation will have. Let, let's go on now. So, so let's ask the question, what can I know then for sure? I can't have signs are not for me. Uh, how, how am I going to know for sure that, that God, I'm doing God's will or that I'm doing what God wants me to do? How do I know? Well, let's, uh, let's look at verse 12. The, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And you remember we got a good laugh out of that last Sunday when, when we saw what the Lord said was a mighty warrior was this wimp threshing wheat at a wine press, okay? Pardon, verse 13. <clears throat> Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? But if the Lord is with us, why are we threshing wheat in a wine press? If the Lord is with us, why have the Midianites come and eaten up all of our food, killed all of our sheep and goats and donkeys, and why are we left with nothing? Why? Lord, if you are here in this, why is this happening to me? And then he goes on and says, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. So, Lord, remember what you did back then? Why aren't you doing it now? If you're with us, like you said, why is this happening to me? You may be asking, why, why, what have I ever done to deserve even? Why, why, why? You ever ask that song? You ever sing that song in your heart? Why did Lord, why did you give me that spouse to marry like you? Well, Lord, why why are my kids turning why did my kids turn out like they did? Lord, why is my job oh, you know, miserable? Why? 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 Why is this happening to me? Lord, you solved problems for those old Jews back in, in Egypt. You did, Lord. We read it in the Bible. You sent plagues and you, you know, you opened up oceans and you, you know, you did some stuff back then. Lord, why don't you do that now? Why don't you do that today for me? I'm, I need it, Lord. Um, you see, Lord, we, we, now we're talking to God now. We're arguing with God. Okay, I'm arguing. Lord, you said I'm your child, right? I'm a child of God. That's what you said. And you, you said I'm a part of the family. And Lord, I'm a brother with Christ, with Jesus. You said that. Um, you said, I've been made in your image. You've told me all these things, but, but Lord, why is there so much trouble, confusion, stress, and pain in my life? Why is that? If you love me, I'm part of your family. What are you doing? You did it for others. Why are you not doing it for me? Why are you not taking care of me? 
Well, the question didn't make sense to Gideon either. And I'm going to say something so profound. You need to listen to it. For reasons only God can understand, our struggle is important to us. I don't know why that's going on in your life, what's going on. I don't know that. I don't understand it. But I do know this. God knows why it's going on in your life. And your struggles are very important for you to go through and to deal with. It will create in you something God wants to create in you that otherwise you would not have have created. You guys know I'm a gardener. I love to to raise garden vegetables and fruit, etc. And uh, in the springtime, I'll go in my greenhouse and plant tomato seeds. And my they'll grow in there, and that's warmth of the sun hits them, and the water's right, and the nutrients in the soil is right, and now they'll just come up out of that ground, boy, just growing like crazy. And if I leave them alone with all the sun they want, all the fertilizer they want, all the water they want, you know what they'll do? They'll grow leaves. But I don't like to eat tomato leaves. I want to eat tomatoes. Are you with me? So I have a conversation with the tomatoes. And I say, this is not good. I'm going to stress you. I'm going to discourage you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to pull limbs off of you and pull leaves off of you. And I'm going to make you produce fruit. And that really happens. When you, it really does. If you leave them alone, they just go crazy. But if you begin to stress them, they start producing fruit. Hey, let's wake up, okay? What's going on in your life? God doesn't want you growing leaves. He wants you growing fruit. So there's a reason that, uh, that this is going on. And, you know, sometimes in this world, we're taught to, to fake it till we make it, you know. I'm going to say, don't fake it. Faith it. When you don't understand it, it doesn't make sense to you. You ask why. Just say, God, I don't know why. But by faith, I believe you're in this. I believe you're causing this. You're allowing this to happen in my life for my good. But the truth of it is, as I was reading this text, I noticed carefully the angel of the Lord never answered Gideon's question. He did not answer it. So the clue phone is ringing. Somebody answer it. If God didn't answer it for Gideon, Maybe he won't answer it for any of us when we say, why? Why? Because we don't need to know now. Now we need to live by faith and to see this work. There's something else I want to talk about today in this category is that the call from God, we're going to, and this call that we feel from God in our hearts, we sense it, God is pulling us, and we sense that call. That may be all we ever get. Yeah, but, Lord, I want, to, I want a sign. I want, to, I want to know. The Lord said, that may be all you get is that call in your heart. And I'm, Now, stay with me. I know some of you already want to run out the door. I get it intellectually. We're thinking, oh, we've been taught all my life, you know, well, to, to seek for signs and all. But hang on. Listen to the rest of this sermon today. In verse 14... The Lord turns then to Gideon, and he says to Gideon, Go in the strength you have and save Israel. Go in the strength you have and save Israel. See how the emphasis on the words? Um, In other words, you do it. 
You're the one. You go. You take all the intellect you've got. You take all the strength you've got. It may not be much, but you take it. Your influence. Take all, what little influence you have, and you go and lead Israel to attack the Midianites. You go. And then he says, am I not sending you? Okay. Now, what did Gideon just say to the Lord earlier, just prior to this? He was saying, God, why don't you do something like Moses? You send somebody like Moses to fix this problem. Or send it to Joshua. So he will fix the problem. And then the Lord says, no, Gideon, I am now sending you. You are now the Moses. You are now the Joshua. You. And I'm going to say today to you, like it or not, you are the one God is sending today. You are his hand. You are his feet. You are the one God is going to use to get done in your world what needs to get done. No one else in your world can get done what you're supposed to do except you. Now, the Lord may use other people if you don't do it. He may use others because his will is going to be done. But nobody can do it like you could as well as whatever. But you need to be aware of the fact that God is now sending you. Am I not sending you? What more do you want? All right. So it's very important. Something very important needs to get done. And you know what it is. I don't. Every one of you know what that is. There is something in your life that's very important that you need to accomplish. And, and you need it done. And you need to, to do it with all that God has given you. He's invested in you intellect, strength, uh, influence, talent, all, all that he's invested in you. You use that. Take it and run with it as far as you can go because God is sending you. And besides that, he said, I'm going to go with you. Well, Gideon has a lot of questions, and he's not out of excuses yet. He says in verse 15, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel. My clan or my, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Now, let's be honest. Manasseh was a, was a weak tribe to start with. He's one of the 12 tribes. Manasseh was one of the weaker. And he says, in the weak tribe, my family is weakest in the weak tribe. And not only that, but I'm the weakest in my family in the weakest tribe. Okay? So, Lord, what are you doing down here in the bottom of the barrel looking for me? I could just see old Gideon. He says, uh, by the way, Lord, <clears throat> by the way, Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, Lord, by the way, Lord, uh, you, you've not chosen very well. <laughs> you might want to rethink your selection. And I'm just almost sure you're thinking the same thing. Lord, why me? Why would you pick me to do this? I mean, somebody else got to have done this a lot better. Why, why me? Why didn't you go and get some? Well, the Lord knows what he's doing. Does anybody doubt that? Come on, be honest. Do you doubt that the Lord knows what he's doing? He always, listen, he always picks the perfect person to do the job that he wants done. Always. Always. So don't argue with him. Um, I love this because the angel here never did answer any of Gideon's questions. He just kept giving him more stuff. And this is how he answered. He says, the Lord, the Lord answered, I will be with you. I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. In other words, I'm going to go with you, and son, you're going to do a job like you can't believe. You're going to get it all done. You're going to do it completely because I'm going to go with you. You remember last week, Barak wouldn't go and fight because Deborah wouldn't until Deborah went with him. Remember that last week? Well, Gideon's kind of like this. 
He said, I, Lord, I can't go unless you go with me. And the Lord said, it's okay. I'm going to go with you. Now, let's go back to signs a little bit. Because Gideon's going to get back into signs. He's going to want a sign. Should we ask for signs today? Should we? Before you answer, let's, let's think this through. Let's pray this through. Um, let's read 17, verse 17. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Okay, God, I know I see you here. You're, you're an angel. I could tell you're, you ain't like, you ain't from Kansas. I can tell you're different. So are you God or what? what a, so give me a sign so I'll know. Now, before you move and make your decision, go to Matthew chapter 16. You might want to write this down, too, so you can read it later. Matthew 16, verse 3. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but not the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus said specifically to the people that were asking for signs in the New Testament. He said, well, you guys... You can look at the sky and tell when the storm is coming. You can see the red sky or the night and red sky in the morning. You know all that stuff. And you want signs and you think. He said, but a wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign. So he says, you're wicked (laughs) and adulterous? Oh, no. If you have to have a sign. If you have to have a sign. So I'm thinking we've probably got all the sign we need. And what is the sign we need? The empty tomb. The empty tomb is our sign. Can God help me? Well, he got out. He came back to life. The empty tomb. Can God accomplish great things? He came back to life out of an empty tomb. That's all the answer we need to our question. That is our answer. So should we seek signs or wait on them? No. Faith requires no sign. If God has said to you, go, then go with all your strength, with all your courage and might, all that you have, then go, and God will go with you, sign or no sign. The tomb, empty tomb, is all that matters. The cautionary note for this today is that it's not God alone who can give signs. He's not the only one giving signs in our world today. And since the devil is so good at deceiving us, in, the, in this world today, in, this, in the church age, he's so good at deceiving us, if you have to have a sign for everything, well, the devil may just give you one. But it might be not what you really wanted, or it might say yes to what God would say no to. Don't be, in other words, don't bank on signs. Because this verse, write down 2 Thessalonians 2.9. 2 Thessalonians 2.9. The coming of the lawless one, that would be the Antichrist, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. I'm telling you, you can't trust signs because Satan can duplicate them and give them to us and deceive us. But you can 
find out what God wants you to do and can be as sure about it as your faith will allow. And that is by getting close to the Lord in prayer and in lifestyle, in attitude, uh, submission. When you get close to the Lord and you stay close to Him, you begin to feel His presence and even see His face. You can even look into the face of God for your, for your answers. Let me read verse 22. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, by the way, the background behind this is that Gideon brought out food. He cooked a, a whole bunch of flour, 36 pounds of flour, and made bread, uh, a lot of it. Then he brought it out, and, and he had broth. He'd cooked a, killed a cow and had the, the beef and the broth, and he put it all on a rock and poured that broth on it, and the angel touched it, and it went up in smoke. It just disappeared up in smoke like that. And then the angel followed it up in, in the air. He went and turned into smoke and went up. Now, let's keep reading. This just happened, and then Gideon says, When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now, you guys remember from Exodus that Moses was afraid to look at God's face because he knew you cannot see, because he, God had said, you cannot see my faith and live, for no one can see me and live. Well, the Jews had a longstanding belief that if you saw God's face, you would not live. But I want to tell you today, in this, genera- in this time of grace, in this age of grace, it is the face of God that we can see. We can see it. We can look into it for instruction. We can b- pray to Him and look into the very wonderful face of God in Jesus Christ. And when we do, we're in, listen, then we're going to find peace. And one of the clues, one of the greatest clues I can give you for finding the, the will of God is when you find peace in your heart. When, you, when you're doing something and you have that overwhelming peace of God that flows into your life, that is the assurance that you need. That's where your faith will be born, when you know it, when you have that peace. Gideon, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. And that's where it stands to this day. Now, let's get... Let's get nitty-gritty here. Let's get a, let me apply it. Let me bring it home to you. How do you make this work? First of all, what God said to Gideon was, in verse 25, go tear down your father's idols. Tear them down, the, the idols, the uh, uh, altars to Baal, the pole to Asherah. Tear them all down and, uh, and destroy them. So Gideon did. He tore down the Baal altar. He tore down the Asherah pole the worship of these fallen gods, these fallen angels, where they worship them. Tear them up, get rid of them. And then worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Then he says, then build a proper altar, verse 26. Then do it right. Do it right. Tear down the idols. Tear them down. What is it, what it is you're leaning on? What are you trusting in your life? What are you using to find your, will, your leadership, how to learn God's will? What are you looking to? Tear them down. Don't stand on them. And then come to the Lord, look into His face, and come to the Lord, live close to Him in prayer, in lifestyle, in attitude, in, in all that we are. Come and bring it close to the Lord, looking into His face, and then you'll know the will of God. And then you'll find the peace that passes all understanding that comes on the inside. And friends, you won't need signs. You will not need a sign. Because God will write it in your heart, and then you'll know it. Today, if you're in this room, or you're watching by, by video, <clears throat> if you're here and you 
don't have that peace of God. You don't. No peace in any part of your life. You're at war with yourself. You're not happy with the way the world has treated you, and you're mad, but you know there's sin in your life, and you need to have it dealt with and taken care of. The Lord can forgive you, can heal you, and bring you into the kingdom of God and make you a child of God, give you peace, and give you direction. That can all happen if you're willing today to give Christ your life. Don't fight him. Give, him to, give your life to Jesus today, and then you'll know his will. You'll know him, and your life will have meaning and purpose. I'm going to pray with you. Lord, your word today has enriched us. It has made us stronger and better because your word always lifts us up, removes the things in our lives that we cling to that we don't need to. We need to turn them loose. Lord, we don't need signs. We just need to know what you want. Write it in our hearts. Write it down there, Lord, without where we cannot question it, where it leads and motivates and changes every part of our life. We love you, Jesus, and we want nothing more than to please you. You say, go, we go. You say, stay, we stay. Whatever it is you say to do, we'll do. In Jesus we pray. Amen.